A big thank you to an inferiority complex for providing our theme song. It is November 25th, 2019. My name is Zach Weber, and I am joined by professional podcast host Zanger. This is the way. And we have the titular Mando Russ. This is the way. This is the way. Hello. Hi. All right, Josh, no pressure. And last but not least, we have internet renaissance man josh cannon from dancing with ghost and uncovering unexplained mysteries and most importantly knights of vader's baby daddy josh welcome i have spoken there you go see that's for the end of the episode (laughs) (laughs) no that's Uh, all i'm gonna say for the rest of this podcast oh okay (laughs) that's his version of i am groot is that a thing? Do we do we throw out Baby Groot now? Now that we have Baby Yoda, like he's in the garbage now in the dumpster. Oh, he's next to the porgs and, and the, the dreams of Ewoks to come. That's not happening. Uh, did see? Did someone? Sh- uh, was it you, Zach, who showed that there is a porg on a Rise of Skywalker poster? I I reposted it in the group in the Nice Fair Facebook group, but yes, apparently I think it's the German poster. There are porgs, but somebody also pointed out that in that same image, the the Falcon has the rectangular radar dish so nobody knows exactly how accurate it's supposed to be interesting the sneaky germans again <laughs> all right uh obviously we're by the title of this week's episode we're going to be uh talking about mandalorian episode three but before we get into that i think zenger has a couple of things he wants to get off his chest one of them is the uh, kathleen kennedy comments about there being no uh source material to adapt when it comes to star wars but he also has something to say about jedi fallen order <laughs> I am weak. I'm a weak individual who is a who is a um, weak person who was like, I'm not going to buy this till it's on sale. And then I'm standing there staring at it going, I'm buying you today. And then I brought it home. And Ellie actually has played it more than. Hmm? Yeah. Yes. Um, Ellie has actually played it more than I have. Oh, which was fascinating. Cause I was like, wow, she like blew through where I was. But she's also playing on. I want to enjoy the story difficulty where I'm playing. I want to get my head smashed in difficulty because oh. I will forewarn people. This game seems to be a lot of fun. I'm really enjoying it so far, but I will say this. It is very much. I feel there is, it's not dark souls hard of like learning curve, but there is a learning curve on there, and if you're not good at the like reflexes in games where it's like you have to hit this button really quick if this is happening and then hit this button if this is happening, you're going to die a lot. And by comparison, Ellie said that when she was watching me play that enemies do different moves and stuff. She's like, I've never seen them do that move before. And I'm like, I, because I'm like, I want to drop difficulty, but at the same time, I feel like once I get further, I'm going to regret it in the sense of going to be like, it's too easy now. Mm. 
So this so isn't far, like Force Unleashed levels of like easy, just you're immediately flipping people around and just no, destroying everything no. in your path. No, like the most I can do with the Force right now is like Force Freeze somebody, and it's so like, like it basically I'm able to Force Freeze them to either jump away or make one quick attack <laughs> and that's it like i can't really do anything besides that um i also got a force lunge too to where i'll lunge forward but that's like it so far so far it's there, there's a lot of stuff going on here though so i'm excited i just wanted to point out that i am weak and i did buy it already and i don't regret it i just need to um put my nose to the grindstone and play it some more I will admit that Pokemon has taken up a lot of my time recently. So, yeah. So Ellie still hasn't seen Avengers. <laughs> Ellie still hasn't seen Avengers Endgame, though. No, but she. Um, a, a quick announcement. Um, her return to the podcast is. Um, her days are numbered for being off the podcast. So, look forward to her return. I'm trying to get her return to be her review of um, of um. Endgame, so we'll it see what happens. Be. It better be. You know what, Zinger? Just skip Endgame. Go straight to Far From Home. I, I've tried doing that with her, and she, she's like, I don't have to see the other one? I'm like, no, and she just <laughs> stares at me with like this, I know you're messing with me. I look forward to that. But yes, uh, Zenger is weak. I like how the episode went out last Thursday, and within like four hours of it debuting, Zenger's like, I'm weak, and he has like, a, a copy of him with the game. It's like, damn you, Zenger. You couldn't even give it a few hours of the episode being out. Even well, 12. no, they, they they gave me a pop figure too. Like I bought it, and you got a free pop figure with it, so I got the second sister pop figure. Oh, pff. you mean that dumpster filler? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that one. You should actually swap it out for another pork figure. Ah, they, they don't have any right now. There, and it was only select ones. Where'd you buy it? Inspire GameStop. Uh, Target. <laughs> oh, tar- of course. I forgot. Zinger, Zinger hops from these different retailers. He has his favorites depending on which way uh, the, the wind, wind blows. blows. Yes. Yeah, and once oh. that baby Yoda hits the shelves, yeah, you're right. That is just some dumpster trash. They're like, <laughs> you can get rid of this before we have to reduce it because we we got to make at least half the store has to be for baby Yoda. Damn right. All right, but before we get into the Mandalorian episode three, uh, recently everybody's favorite uh, Star Wars. The head of the company opened her mouth and she made the comment that when it comes to Star Wars, that they have a harder time doing stories. Again, I'm paraphrasing here, folks. Forgive me. I'll link to the Rolling Stone article where Kathleen Kennedy was interviewed in the show notes. But in this interview, she says something on the lines of they don't they have a harder job than Marvel because they don't have a huge catalog to pull from when it comes to adapting stories and characters. And a nice portion of the Star Wars fan base had a freak out, which at this point comes about every, I don't know, 20 minutes, depending on which way uh, you look. And everyone's like, what do you mean? We have legends. We have all those books. And even though I kind of get where both sides are going when it comes to this issue, I'm kind of bewildered by her comments, just her overall attitude to uh, saying things like this. But before I get into my thoughts... I'm curious as to what Zenger and Russ's thoughts are in Josh's, because I don't know how far Josh ever dabbled in the uh, the books and the other non-movie media. I mean, I, I talked a lot about the game, so I will relinquish my time to somebody else to go first. All right, Josh, how, did you ever, besides the movies, did you ever, I know you played some of the video games, right? Back in like, yeah. the Nintendo 64 era? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I played. I, uh, God, what was the one with Dash Rendar? Yep. Uh, Shadows of the Empire. Shadows. Yep. Yeah, that was the one I played. And that was a comic, I think, too. Um, and the book. It, and I collected a lot of the Shadows of the Empire action figures back in the day. Um, I also. Well, I played all the other Star Wars games, too. Yeah, Star Wars games in general back in the day were, like, really high quality. Now I don't know what the hell happened in the 2000s, but they're coming back, I hear, because uh, I heard that EA the newest happened. one... They... Well, yeah, yeah. I, and I don't I don't even know what... Um, and I'm going to sound like a okay boomer moment right now, but I don't even know what the, uh, the, the Star Wars Battlefield or whatever the... Was that just a multiplayer game? I, I mean, I, I remember getting the second one. I couldn't even figure out how to do like the the campaign mode, and I don't know. The first there one's a shoot 'em up. Yeah, it's pretty much yeah. a shoot 'em up with some heroes and Jedi's and and special things. Yeah, it's like a Call of Duty almost. Uh, I I kind of like the mid two thousands ones better than these newer ones, but maybe it's just some getting older. But I I I came always came from the like the perspective that I didn't really as much. I loved all the games and everything. It never. Never really considered it like canon, like it was essential to everything else. It was just like ancillary fun stuff to do. I, I never really attach it too much to the main story. So, getting rid of the EU, I, I I really didn't have too much of a problem with it because there was a lot of bad books out there. My my thing is the her oh we got nothing to pull from or we've got nothing to really and it's like you have technically all of the EU that you could as easily as a just wipe of your hand or a signing of a piece of paper make canon again well she didn't want to insult thousands she didn't want to insult thousands of writers and game designers and say we don't have any good games or books to pull from to make feature films out of uh it's probably what her intention was i mean they definitely got rid of it for a reason and and also didn't they announce that uh dr apra apra whatever the one comic is is possibly going to be being made into a series that's being hinted. Uh, that's a rumor. That's it's, it's that's a more cr- floating out there. I think. Well, it's, it's a rumor, but it's a, in the world of star Wars, it's a more credible rumor compared to the trash that's on YouTube. I would agree right. with that. And, but she's and canon. The- See all their new books and comics are their new canon. They just don't have a ton of it to pull from. I, I'm assuming is what she means. I mean, they've only been making new content for what, four years now, maybe almost five. Yeah, they started doing new content as early as like 2014. But that's the other thing. There's so much stuff that they have in this limbo area. Or I guess they're trying to hold on to it for, oh, well, could we use that in a movie or a Netflix? Not Netflix, a Disney Plus show? <laughs> so used to saying well, Netflix. <laughs> it's all the same, Sanger. It's, it's all the same. Uh, no, my thing with this is that like I get both sides of the argument. I get what she's saying. She's making, like, I think Russ kind of said it better than I could. Is that most of it is crap, but you can't say that. But at the same time, too, it's that she, considering that she's been head of this company now for over five years, she should really have a better grasp on everything about the company, even that was prior to her tenure as the head. And she should also learn how to not incite the fans. That's one thing too is that like like okay everybody compares her to Kevin Feige at Marvel and I get why people hold him in high regard he is the most successful producer in the history of cinema but at the same time though that guy again cherry picks what he wants it's like again I, again he's done a great job but folks we have Ant-Man and the Wasp 
it's like, come on, you cannot look at that film and say this is a top tier level of entertainment. That film is just, it's there. It's the equivalent of like <laughs> a pound of like overcooked rice. It's just there. You, nobody likes that film in any sort of like meaningful way. You enjoy it, but you do not love it. No, there's not a single person when you ask them what their favorite Marvel film says, Ant Man the Wasp. Because it's not true. That person, that person doesn't exist. Trust me. Um, Everyone likes like, everything from it, but no one really wants to linger on it. I remember it took me a long time to watch it. And I, I looked at the like the Reddit thread, bring it back to a non-podcast conversation, of just people's initial reactions to it and how like hyped. And I was like, oh, this is going to be a great character and all this. And then you don't hear a word about it ever since it, since it, uh, since it came out. Yeah, it's, it's, dispos- it's filler. It's filler. That's what it is. But no, but going back to Kathleen Kennedy's comments, uh, I, I, I think the worst part of her comment is not the I don't think she's being absent minded when saying there's nothing to pull from. I think it's the <laughs> idea that like she should say that like, oh, we do not ha-, like Russ. It should have been she should have phrased it better. It should have been something more along the lines of. Uh, we don't have as much content that is aware to general audiences. Like where, like if they for Marvel, they can pull from I don't know. They can do Thor. Thor. It's much easier to convince people of Thor because he's a much more ubiquitous character in pop culture than like you guys were saying, Dash Rendar. It's much easier to convey <laughs> Thor to the filthy casuals out there than it is Dash Rendar because Dash Rendar is essentially Han Solo light. And that's a big problem too Star Wars has with the EU is that a lot of the characters we all hold in high regard from the EU era are all just light versions of previous characters. Like you show a filthy casual Darth Revan, they're going to go, oh, what happened to Vader's mask? That's kind of what you're going to get. And that's why I think they're so hesitant to pull from the eu in any sort of meaningful way outside of kind of like winks and like nudges like mandalorian's gun being the boba fett gun from the holiday special they know the more obscure they get it's going to disenfranchise people whereas marvel has now brought everybody on board to the point where they can do whatever they want no one's going to question it and they do little things where they'll 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 pull from something that isn't canon like Jin Erso is Pretty much the character Jan Ors, almost from the all those old uh, games, uh, Jedi Outcast games, and all that stuff. And she basically she's the one who stole the Death Star plans in the in the old video games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in Dark Forces, yeah, Jan Ors, but it's pretty much the same. I mean, they just took a character, flipped the name, made a different story. And so my what... question is, where's Star Killer? <laughs> Ray, Ray is Star Killer Zenger. No. Oh my god. <laughs> oh Russ, how much I love Wait. that. That's just a fantastic impersonation. Wait a second. So what if Ray and Kylo Ren are both? Because Ray's like the limitless possibilities and Kylo's like his anger. The angsty uh teenager? Yes. I don't know. I'll, I'll let the uh, the creative people at Lucasfilm figure that one out. I just I just threw that out there. Hopefully, maybe someone will put the pieces together. Uh, anything else about uh, Kathleen Kennedy before we move into uh, Mr. Mandalinian? Just one more thing. I just sure. like to imagine there's somebody that they paid to tell her, okay, here's how you need to say this. Don't say it this way. Please, just, you're going to anger people. And she goes, okay, walks out on stage, and he's just slamming a clipboard into his head within five <laughs> minutes. Who's going to tell Kathleen Kennedy what to do? I mean, what? Iger? That's it? No, it's it's one of those, like, they, they hire somebody to kind of, like, be like, hey, 
you're dealing with very touchy fans, so you might want to word it this way. They'll be more accepting of it. And she's like, okay, cool, and still just goes and does whatever she wants. And he's like, oh, man, I'm going to turn my notifications off on Twitter for a little <laughs> bit and go somewhere else. Okay, let's release this when, when, when the charts say the Star Wars fans are at their happiest, because maybe I'll just forget. Uh, Baby Yoda. <laughs> That's what uh, they need to do. Just have a baby Yoda plush they just throw out on the stage when stuff gets hot. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. All right, Mandalorian time. All right, we last week we kind of talked about our overall thoughts of the show. But before we get into episode three, Josh, I would imagine you've watched now all of what we've seen, all three episodes. So, considering that you're the uh, residential filthy casual we have when Rob's not around, yes. What are your thoughts on the Mandalorian? I guess for reference. You weren't particular. So, what's your opinion on the Disney era of Star Wars now, relative to everything that came before it during Lucas's time? Uh, well, you know, I share the filthy casual uh, view that the um, the sequels are better than the prequels. Uh, I definitely feel that way. I agree with that. Um, I've seen obviously both movies in theaters, um, and I'll see Episode Nine in theaters when that one comes out. Um, you know, I, I thought it was pretty good, but, you know, I'm, I'm also kind of one of those guys that feels like it uh, could have stopped after the original trilogy and, and probably should have. And that's it's kind of like my golden era. You know, I grew up watching the original three and uh, it, I don't know. They just felt so contained in and of themselves that I just felt like adding on to it was only going to sully what uh, they, they already had going. But uh, The Mandalorian... I was actually very impressed, especially by the first episode. It had a, it, it kind of had this like dark edge that I've always wanted to see more of from Star Wars. I think I might even said that last podcast I was on, where it would be cool if they, you know, like so. So as a comparison, you had like the Batman movies in the '90s that were very cartoony, and then like the by the time the Dark Knight came out, everyone was like, "Oh, this is how." This is how your the, these movies are to be done because it just had this darkness and this edge to it that I think people were really wanting to see, and I feel like when the Mandalorian, uh, it, there's kind of more of a darker edge both in the music. I noticed there's like kind of some distorted guitar, ambient background elements. It's kind of shot. It generally it's a dark uh, series, like as far as you know, it's not like bright and cartoony like Episode One. Um, there uh, in the in one of the very first scenes, I guess they were trying to distinguish themselves, like, "Hey, we're not your grandfather's Disney uh, Plus by uh, you know showing the uh, one guy getting uh, you know bisected by the door." Yeah, that, that that took us also by surprise. I remember Zach and we did some prediction show on. He's like, I think he traps him in the door and he interrogates him right there. And we're like, Yeah, that probably makes sense. He would never. They're not going to kill a person. And then you watch the first, we're like, Whoa. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's kind of like Nintendo porting, you know, coming out with Resident Evil uh, 4 as an exclusive, you know. It was like, what? This kitty console is coming out with this uber-violent video game? It's like, it's companies, I guess they like to do, I guess that's like a strategic move from time to time where it's like, oh, we're not your grandfather's, you know, whatever you think of us brand. But, um, so the first episode I thought was really strong. The second one I, I thought was all right. And then the third one I am now intrigued again because I want to see, you know, wh what what is actually going to happen with little baby Yoda. And um, 
And and the and the, the, the I have spoken guy was just fantastic. I, I really liked him a lot. He was he brought he brought some uh, comic relief in a and he was also an interesting character, but not like Jar Jar comic relief. Like legitimately, like um, I found myself laughing. Yeah, you know, every time he said, "I have spoken," uh, and mm-hmm. I, I just I really liked that. Uh, it, they're just not they're not trying as hard, I guess, and maybe it's because it's like a TV series rather than a movie. Like they have more uh, breathing room. But that's that's like the overall vibe that I got from it, and um, I, I don't know. So far, I really like it. What an interesting opinion, Zach. You care to comment? <laughs> Am I the only person that likes the second episode the best? Am I the, like seriously? I read stuff online. Everyone's like that second episode is not as good as the others. Really? Um, yeah, it's nobody, okay. That exactly. That's everybody's opinion is, and I'm like, the first episode is hot garbage. It's like, Josh, I'm not sure if you listened to last week's episode, but I was, I was on the precipice of killing the podcast based on that first episode. I'm like, <laughs> I, these two heard it, they knew. Like, it was like, no. I'm like, I was angry watching that for the most part. I'm like, this is why I really? hate Star Wars. Why? Yeah, I, there's an entire. I, I would get into it, but there's an entire there's an entire episode. episode. <laughs> okay. Okay. Down that okay. Road I'll have again. to go back and listen to that. All right. But yes, like the first episode's just fan service. It's Force Awakens. It's like fan service. Like you like Star Wars? Bam, whack you across the head with it. And it's like, thank you, sir. What's Can I have that? some more? That's See, every- no, the second one came out and it put like a warm blanket around Zach and was like, it's going to be okay. <laughs> it's going to slow down a little bit. One thing, I don't know if we even mentioned the last time, we've got to notice that this show, it's really unique for Star Wars in that we don't get anyone else's perspective except Mandalorian. We are never, it never cuts to Space Carl Weathers doing anything, you know, without him. It's never Space Herzog. Uh, talking to uh, Space Grizzly Man, whatever he would be, but it's just completely focused on our guy, and it just—I think it just get you know—you get attached to him really quick, especially in that uh, that second episode. Russ, did you just say Space Grizzly Man? Yes, he did. <laughs> I guess I think I put something about Wampa Man. He's probably—that's what that medal is for. He directed Space Wampa Man. We're having Werner Herzog deep cuts in the Knights of Vader podcast. Russ, I am so proud to have you here. <laughs> so proud. <laughs> uh, okay, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to tra- tra- uh, cut you off in your train of thought, but yes, uh, go ahead. No, I probably would have said something about dragging a tugboat over a mountain. So you can go on. Oh I, my I was, God, Russ, gonna... stop it! <laughs> I was going to say, Jeff, like, I do, I do, uh, I was a little, um, I was a little disappointed whenever the Mandalorian grew a conscience towards Baby Yoda because I felt like that was like super predictable, like. Now, you know, it's like he's a bounty hunter. He doesn't have feelings. He's just into collecting bounty. Like, why is he predictably growing feelings now and saving this thing? You know? Well, okay. This is the first the first scene of episode three I want to talk about is that we get some flashbacks. We've got we've seen them over the course of the three episodes so far. But this one, we get it where uh, baby Mando's parents put him like in a cellar somewhere, shut the door. Something happens and then a super battle droid opens the cellar door and we hear a loud noise and we, he wakes up from his flashback. So this is the billion dollar question. Who's going to save baby Mando from the super battle droid? What Clone Wars era character? Cause we know it takes place during the Clone Wars is going to save him. It's um, I'm almost want to say what it's not. I, it, I hope it's not a Jedi. Does it that, take it would diminish the Clone Wars? Yes. Cause it's a super battle yeah, droid. I, so. and oh, wait, I was, Sorry, I was 
Sorry, with me playing Fallen Order, I had that timeline in my head for some reason. And I'm like, oh, this is pre... And I'm like, oh, no, wait. My bad. Sorry. Continue. <laughs> well, okay, I was talking to John Justice, friend of the show, host of My Nerd World, buy his latest book, Embark 2, Treasure in Darkness on Amazon. Or get and it on Audible. I'm listening to it right now. There you go. For a reason. For a reason. But he's, I was talking to him, and he's like, oh, it's going to be Yoda. And that would be the tie-in into why he feels allegiance oh. to this thing. And that would tie I into thought about that criticism. too, but I think, I think that would take two things away. Because one, he seems a little bit surprised and not understanding the Force in Episode 2. And he would immediately be like, hey, you're the son of that guy, save me. You know, it's like, I don't, I think of all, I think that's the last one we're going to see. Is, is yeah, because you see. It can't be. Yeah, you see him, like, have a change of heart, like, mid- like delivery almost or, or like it's not like an instant recognition of holy it's the it's it's the yoda looking but can, but a ba- baby version can, and it could I be say contained it, it could be a character we haven't met yet that's just contained in this show and they're gonna just you know hopefully give us the answer soon can, can i say something i'm gonna i want to put some pieces together and see what you guys think First thing, I'm just going to throw this out there. This this has nothing to do with the rest of it, but did anyone notice the weird red cloaks they were wearing are very similar to the ones in the holiday special? Yeah, they got their Life Day robes up. No! Hold on. I played Star Wars Galaxies, and humans cannot (laughs) equip Life Day robes. You have to give it to a Wookiee. That's no way. Okay, so I I noticed that that similarity there. Just wanted to point it out. Zach, was that it? Why am I? Was that a Star Wars Episode 3? No. No! (laughs) Why am I making all the references? Right, I'm going to defer my no to Russ's no. Russ, will you do it for me? I don't have it, but... Do it. I don't know. (laughs) No, I I, I want the Adam Driver no. No. All right. (laughs) (laughs) What's what's the other line he has from the trailer? What's it? uh, Because nobody knows who I am, but I do. Adam Driver, Adam Driver, can you please stay? Wait, it, it's your boy. I'm out. Do it. All right, he's got to go. <laughs> okay, uh, so Russ is so like, like the resident DJ of the podcast. I like that. He's the master of the soundboard. Yeah. So you'll know it's coming. Oh, just real quick, uh, Zanger. You'll know the Ru- a Russ soundboard clip is coming because the conversation will be trending in a very specific direction, and Zanger will start cackling, and then you'll hear then you'll hear the soundboard kind of like like chime in and then Zenger just dies for the next like 30 seconds. This is all true. Um, <laughs> so aside from the life day stuff, all right. What has the Mandalorian said every time he's gone to the best scar to get the best scar armor done? Foundling. Exactly. Which I'm assuming that is putting aside for like the children and stuff. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering if that's why He's becoming a. It's because he had, uh, you know, he was abandoned because of the whole war. This child has no one, and he wants to sort of not have it go down the same path he went down. Yeah, I think they're paralleling that. In when he's closing the little egg he's in, is almost like him being closed in that little thing. And I think he's putting that all together. So you're saying you're saying that the identity of the Mandalorian is is hologram Michael Jackson. (laughs) <laughs> what? <laughs> All right, Jack. because he he cares about the children. He's just he's just there for the children. <laughs> uh, okay, 
on a very weird side note for Cinemodities this week, uh, I just want to uh, point uh. this out. Okay. I feel like going to uh, Michael Jackson's um, to Neverland would be like the ultimate terror for um, Cinemodities. And what are you talking about the the Dark Crystal episode or the one before that? Dark Crystal, because um, Rob's fear of, of course, dolls and stuff, which I can almost guarantee there are tons of them around there. And your fear of what was it again? Commitment. <laughs> hey okay, no, there, there, there was some movie or something you mentioned. And I'm like, dear God, if they go near Michael oh, Jackson's. The dark, oh, the Dark Crystal, like in the weird, like uh, like puppets. Yeah, and nonsense. Yeah, it was like so. Going to Michael Jackson's Neverland Ranch would be like the ultimate, like worst case scenario for Cinemodities. Oh, the that's oh, what it was. Yes, because he has. The there we go, Zanger. Nobody listens to Cinemodities. Why do you have to bring it up on Hero People Act? Now people are gonna be putting pictures of in the Facebook group to try to get back at me for some weird. See now, folks, everybody who's mad at me for all the dumb opinions I've made for almost three years, he's like, "Aha, we found his Achilles heel ass," <laughs> and it just give you a bombardment <laughs> of pictures now. Oh, I'm, not, I, I'm gonna do. I'm gonna bleep that out every single time we say it, so it's still gonna be in here. But everyone's gonna be like, "What? What, what was it? What was it?" <laughs> but right, you're. That, but you're gonna leave in the puppet stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. No, that's fine. They can screw Rob over. They can. You know, folks, go after Rob. Mention him in a bunch of puppet stuff. Just post imagery from the puppets. That's fine. Um, uh, yeah, Cinemati. Check out the latest episode. Last episode of Fans November Fansgiving. We watched uh, the Dark Crystal, and I lost my mind. I had to put on Death Kiss, the Charles Bronson Death Wish knockoff film, which is actually pretty good. But uh, no, I forgot back- you guys were talking about Dark Crystal half during that episode. And then when you got back to, him, I'm like, wait, why? Yeah, that Rob and I did not like the Dark Crystal. Uh, thank you, Fans Choice. Uh, anyway, though, but back to the Mandalorian. Nobody really answered my question. All I got was Russ saying no, that probably won't be Yoda. So what character do we think is going to... What Clone Wars character... Oh, hold on a sec. Character are we going to see? Because Cowboy Hat Man said in an interview, somebody was asking him questions. And they're like, oh, are we going to see other characters from other mediums in the Mandalorian? And he's like, well, you're definitely on the right track when it comes to questions like that. So who's recognizable to the filthy casuals? Rex. You know, it, Josh, do you know who Captain Rex is? No. All right, come on. Just keep, a- keep asking him character questions, and he'll tell you whether he knows who they are or not. Would they really get Obi-Wan in this? Josh, I would you recognize him. Obi-Wan? <laughs> would you recognize think- Anakin? I'm feeling more comfortable already. Because <laughs> I Ahsoka? recognize it. I like familiar things. What about Ahsoka? No. I have a feeling they need to build that a little. Seeing her live action for the first time is going to be a little bit jarring. That needs to be in some kind of trailer or something. Because I think there's going to be some weird disconnect seeing her as a CG character exclusively this whole time. And then someone's like, hey, it's me, uh, Squid Boy, whatever she called Anakin. Or whatever <laughs> they called her. Snips? Snips? Yeah, yeah there yes. you go. It can only be Anakin if when Anakin opens up the cellar, he says, yippee, as he rescues <laughs> Bando. <laughs> What if it's uh? What if it's Boba Fett, the little guy? <gasps> oh my god! Can you imagine the meltdown the internet would have? It's like it's like Daniel Logan, like doing that. It's like DH Daniel Logan. Oh yes, okay, I want that. All right, I want the internet have a meltdown. Prequel iconography, all in. He's got still got a little blue outfit on, and he has Slave One during the Clone Wars and stuff because yep. I've seen that on those Clone Wars cartoons. I think my kids have that Slave One that came with. They called him. I was like, "This is Baby Boba," and so they called him at the time. They got the little action figure of the little guy. Yep. Uh, I I don't want to. I don't think it's going to be a Jedi though. 
it has to be a force related character because it's going to tie into the fact that he that it's something from his past, a, a, a force user. It's got to be something like this. Got to be some character that, again, it's Clone Wars era. Who else could it be? We, we, you have to narrow it down to like half a dozen people. Well, look, narrowing it down just off the trailers, it's Bill Burr. <laughs> <laughs> the next episode is directed by Bryce Dallas Howard. Oh, <gasps> really? That's interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. So it's a Ron, it's a so a solo character. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah it, no, it will just be Ron Howard. <laughs> He's coming to rescue baby Mando just like Han Solo. I was hoping it was Clint Howard and he was going to make him wrangle his like robot fighters. That's does, a it, solo does it bother anybody that Bill Burr is always making fun of nerd culture and, and how he doesn't really care about Star Wars that much and he's going to be in this? He, maybe he gets shot. That kind of makes it perfect for it. He's better than um, people that are in nerd culture that talk a bunch of crap about it. You know, like... Uh, Brian Posehn was in that first episode, but I don't see any way they can get Patton Oswalt. Well, what am I saying? Simon Pegg is freaking Uncle Pluck, so uh, I take it back. Oh, I knew that was Brian Posehn. I, I was like, what? I was like debating, but I was like, I bet that's oh, it was him. Yeah, yeah. I definitely, I'm a Mr. Show era guy too. And as soon as I saw it, I was like, oh, that'd be cool if that. Oh my god, it is him. He was great. I mean, I thought he, you know, I thought he was. Yeah, he did uh, great. I think it really good. Okay, if it's not a Force user or someone like Obi-Wan or Anakin, do they go down the road of, like, a bounty hunter? Like, do we get Cad Bane? Do we get Bosk? Is it Zuckus? <laughs> is it Forlom? Like, is it going to be, like, one of those where, like, the 50-year-old fans, like, uh, like have a romance explosion in their pants because it's like, oh, my God. it's or Instead of it being, like, Forlom, it's Five-Lom. Instead of it being, like, <laughs> oh, Zuckus, no. it's Yuckus. Wait. It can't be five love of money. It's four love of money. It can only be one. <laughs> Nothing else would make sense. Uh, what about Greedo? Throw Greedo in there. They got enough oh, Greedos no. already. Oh, oh no. It's going to be a bad CGI Jabba. Come on. We know it. Oh, that's <laughs> another, speaking of the... It, uh, the uh, You brought, brought up CGI. That was another thing I was going to say about this show as a whole. Um, I don't know if... The, to me, to my filthy casual eyes... They're either using very minimal CGI. I mean, obviously for the backgrounds and everything, but for the characters, like I'm seeing a lot of like real costuming and all that. Does anyone have like, you know, intel on that? This episode. I can't really think of a heavily CGI character in this show. Which I love. You know, I mean, IG, the droid, of course, but the, the that puppet baby Yoda is just, it, it looks great. It looks great on film. It looks, it makes that episode one puppet that they got rid of just look like complete trash. Like, even though he's really little, it, it's so convincing. Yeah, it's like they finally get it. People like real things that exist, you know, on in front of the camera more than they do a bunch of uh, technical f***ery that you can do in post. The Baby Yoda is the only thing I've really seen. I mean, the Mudhorn, of course, but the Baby Yoda is the only thing I've really seen them do any, like, CGI with, but it's minimal. It's very minimal. Like, when he's in the ship and he's, like, reaching up and stuff, that's, of course, CGI. I mean, I'm assuming it's CGI there. And they've used it yeah. in other moments, but normally it's a practical, like, uh, it's it's a puppet or a doll that he's having to use and work with. Does that does that matter to like for Zanger and Zach and does that matter to you guys one way or another that they're using I, more costumes rather than in well, less I love CGI? It. I, I, I love it. Kid, I love it. Yeah, I love that they can. They, I mean, besides the creatures, yeah, it pretty much just focuses on you know 
uh, really, really practical stuff. I mean, you could tell. I mean, what beyond the blurg I mean, and the things they do do look great. Those blurgs in the first couple episodes are the first second episode. It looked great. Like uh, the mud hole looked blur- really good too. That blurg in the first episode when he's trying to like like what shoo them away. That that looked rough. That looked like oh he's interacting with a computer object. Yeah, the blurgs the blurgs didn't look too cool to me. It wasn't as big. I think we're being in the the Star Wars perspective. It's not like that big cow that Anakin tried to ride on in episode two that looked so bad. It's the worst thing ever. So that's where my like the space cow. The space cow looks more convincing in the context of that scene than uh, not Boba Fett trying to ride a not space cow. I hear I hear Zach's nostalgia screaming at me right now. No, I think it's an. But okay, answer your. I'm going to answer both your questions at once, Josh. Uh, I think it comes down to it's a matter of blending. I don't think CGI is any better or worse than practical effects. It's a matter of just how good it looks. Like I, like we talked about for Cinematis, uh, we were talking about the Dark Crystal, and I know they have the new one on Netflix, and it's like, oh look, it's all like real effects, practical effects nonsense. And I'm like, yeah, but it's still a boring ass story about puppets that are like ungodly looking, and they sit there just like like mumble at each other. I'm like, I don't care how good the the, the puppets look. I don't care about anything that's going on because it's it's horrendous to look at. The same here goes on with Mandalorian. It's like, oh, they create a real like salacious crumb character and they have him on like a little like rotisserie yeah that's neat and all though but it doesn't mean anything if it had it doesn't blend with everything else and it does in that instance i'm not what well, i mean i'm not criticizing the effects there um again i think my one of my biggest complaints is i think okay let me rephrase this uh when it comes to star wars we kind of get so hung up in the minutia of like the special effects versus like practical effects and a lot of that is lucas lucas kind of made the the technology the the main priority of the the prequels and i think that's never been the issue because i've never looked at star wars as a spectacle laden property that's you know yes that's what it tries to go for sometimes i've just never seen it that way and i think that's why i think it's so weird that the same people that love the mandalorian for being so great for having real sets practical effects are the same people that love the final battle avengers endgame despite the fact that it looks like it's like a hard drive that just exploded like i don't get how people the same people that just eat up the real effects stuff says yeah i love it when purple man with the chin scars punches <laughs> brie lawson in the face because it looks real like folks there was no real facts like yes they had all they, they took one like long video shot of all the actors on set to make it look good for promo reasons but 99 percent of that sequence in that film is not real i don't care how much lies they tell you it's not real and yet people eat that up and i don't get why it's like like i said I, again i for the record i like mandalorian episode three again it's not as good as episode two and considering that the person who directed this episode is the one that's going to be directing all of the obi-wan kenobi series i hope you like this episode a lot because this person's going to have their their hands on the steering wheel for that whole entire series so great i think there are some great moments in this but to get to josh's point once again when it comes to effects it's i love certain sequences again the fact that our final battle sequence of episode three is just them like fighting in like a courtyard of a bunch of like ruined buildings that's neat but having a bunch of not boba fett's uh, an army of not boba fett's come out of nowhere and i'm like this is fake i'm like yeah the armor's real like when they had like when they're in the little like 
corridor earlier in the episode and they're arguing over like the empire and whether we should work for them or not because we hide in the shadows that looked great seeing a bunch of like boba fett's like in the shadows just like like lurking around that's a fantastic visual i love it but seeing an army of boba fett's fight it's not anything new i saw it in clone wars and on a larger scale and it looks the same it's just it's cartoon imagery whether it be animation as in the 2008 series or it's going on here they did not actually put people in boba fett costumes with uh, pyrotechnics on wire work they didn't do that that was all done in the computer and i again i don't get this weird sort of just fanaticism over something just because we can't discern the difference between how it was done well for me my my whole thing about it 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 breaks down and this isn't just with star wars i i had this the same complaint when the first spider-man movies came out in the early 2000s it's it's like for me, anything as like a movie watcher, anything that 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 takes me out of the the movie or takes me out of the, that breaks the sequence of uh, experience for me is what I don't like. Whether that's crappy costuming, like real costuming, practical effects, or crappy CGI. And in the two thousands, everyone just went buck wild with that awful CGI because to to them at that time it looked great because like our only you know goalpost for what was good computer generated graphics was you know what the playstation 2 and the xbox and so you watch spider-man and it's like wow this looks great compared to what we know was available at the time but even then i was like ugh, it's like you go from a real guy in a real spider-man costume and then you jump off a building all of a sudden you become this bright jiggly sprite you know that's <laughs> web sling and it just takes me out of it and that's what the uh, star wars prequels did too there was all that the, the CGI was so poorly, uh, it, it was in such an infancy stage at that point that it took me out of the of the experience. And that's that's my big thing. And when watching this movie, Mandalorian, or not this movie, this uh, series or whatever, um, I, I was never taken out of the story because of the visuals. It was, you know, maybe something else, like it was a little slowly paced in episode two or something like that. And I got, you know, kind of got a little board here and there but uh it was never the visuals and that that's my main point sure for the record what folks if i go off on my diatribes it's never directed to any particular person on here it's just me i uh, feel attacked spouting my crazy <laughs> no it, it's normally directed at me i i i wholeheartedly pass the the baton to you this time i can't get mad at him zenger i wouldn't be here because it weren't for josh so he gets a pass he's the only person that's allowed to curse on the podcast so too. so wait a second are you saying that nostalgia's blinded you to his to anything he says no it's that it's all gospel reverence uh it's speaking of speaking of which um we didn't go around the table for yay or nay on this episode because this is a tiebreaker for somebody in this room <laughs> who on earth could that be zenger who on earth know. could that be I don't know. Let, let's find out. Um, big old yay for me. A lot of Mandalorian this Mandalorian episode, which I'm sure we'll talk about. Russ, what about you? We don't know. No, okay. I liked it a lot. <laughs> I, I liked it a lot. I, I, I'm, I'm totally on board so far. Uh, I have been like liking one better than the next as it's going along. I'm really into it. And that's the way you should watch this show. And now for Zach. I've told you, I, I, it's better than the first episode. Anything's better than the first episode. Uh, it's not as good as the second, but considering that there are some, there's some fantastic, eh, there's some fantastic visual storytelling in this episode, especially um, when we have Mandalorian sitting in his cockpit and he's looking at the little knobby that comes off the uh, the lever, and without any 
the guy with very little music and without using his face, the director, Deborah Chow, was able to communicate the emotions he's feeling to the audience. That was spectacular. I love that. That's phenomenal. Like That's the sort of moments that I'm so glad that she's in charge of the Obi-Wan Kenobi series. But then toward the end, when we have our uh, spectacle battle of the army of not Boba Fett, in a lot of those action sequences, it's really kind of, they're not, they're done with a lot of close-ups. And close-ups aren't ideal when it comes to action sequences. So maybe by the time we get to the Obi-Wan series, they will have hired a better uh, f- uh, someone who's better at planning those sort of shots, a cinematographer that knows how to do uh, fighting or, oh God, shoot fighting sequences a little bit better. Uh, I hope for that. But no, this episode was, was, was good. I enjoyed it. I don't think it's the greatest thing ever. I, I think it's, like you guys were saying, it's, uh, it's a piece, it's a chapter in the story of the series. And I'm taking it just as that. Again, I, I think I've you guys have walked me off, walked me down from the ledge. I was about to jump off of in the first episode. Uh, but yeah, I'm holding out hope. I just hope that again, they considering that we have Bryce Dallas Howard and I don't know what her directorial credits are off the top of my head. I hope I, I, know. Just, I, I hope, I hope she does a great job. I hope she knocks it out of the park. Clearly uh, she has not been around very long when it comes to these things. So she probably doesn't have a lot of bad habits. So uh, fingers crossed. But yes, Josh. What so is her I, directing? What is her directing history? Just did, do you, has she directed anything? She's look. Well, when Zenger's looking it up real quick, Josh. So far, out of these three episodes, how would you rank them? Which, like, which one resonated the most with you? Um, I would say honestly, you could say I, the just, first one. The first one is great. Don't you? Yeah, don't have I, to. I, I, for me, for me, it would be first, third, second. And, and I'm a filthy casual, so I mean, you know. See, folks, he's discounting his opinion because he knows he's wrong. Everybody knows the second episode's the best episode because he doesn't punch you in the face with nostalgia. Remember, it's like, like, the prequels, it's, it's, like episode well, I mean, two is like, the best. They, you know, with like a cigarette, they put like the the like uh, there was this this rumor. I don't know if it's true or not. They say with cigarettes, they put the 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 chemical the additives in the uh, first few hits of the cigarette, so you you know you get that buzz and that impact the first time you inhale it. And so it makes you want to keep inhaling the rest of the cigarette that doesn't have as much of that chemical in it. And, and I mean, I feel like that's just like marketing 101, you know, like the the first hits the best one and it, and it makes you want to stick around. For All right, the, Josh, uh, I, I 100% agree with you. The first episode of The Mandalorian is smoking cigarettes. It is. I 100% agree. It's as good as smoking a cigarette. There no, we go. He's saying it's so good. He's, he's chasing the dragon every episode. He's <laughs> that's like, right. Ah, that's right. another and thing. I'm going to get that thing. That's a See, decent folks, analogy, too, because it, 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 you, dra- you don't know where the dragon's going, much like this. You know, you don't know I like how we're happen. comparing The Mandalorian to drugs. You people just keep giving me more and more fire. You're kind of like my Kathleen Kennedy right now. You're giving me so much ammunition to fire right back at you. <laughs> Zach, I have, I'm so good at analogies. I could have used I could have used a candle. They put the best smelling uh, scent in the top of the candle. I mean, I can I can keep going. Baby. Anything you want oh, me to do? You're use. gonna say something like, "This is the bath salts of the Star Wars universe." <laughs> this is the Mandalorian. All right, so Zach, did you figure out about Bryce Dallas Howard? Um, yeah, there are a ton of the her directing credits and writing credits are from a ton of short films I've never heard of, dating all the way back to 2006. Yeah, she's primarily an actress. I mean, she's in she's in what Jurassic World, right? And Jurassic World meets more Jurassic. I'm not sure if they made that sequel yet, but Jurassic World Two: Dinosaur Boogaloo. Weekend at Bernie's oh. Jurassic Edition. She was also in a Spider-Man movie. Yes, she played uh, Gwen Stacy. Well, another, which one? another series I can play. Amazing, about on this amazing part two, right? 
No, no that's, oh. that's, a, that's, that's a different redhead, Ross. Come on, you can't get them mistaken. Isn't that weird that both what Emma Stone and Bryce Dallas Howard both played Gwen Stacy despite they were about, like both redheads? Yeah, weird. And both oh, really wait. forgettable. Wait, no, no. Emma Stone's not a re- natural redhead. She is blonde. Okay, I take that back. I take that back. I'm so used to this like regular Emma Stone. All right, I lied, folks. Um, all right. So, what do we think about uh, Mandalorian and the fact that the Mandalorian, the other Mandalorian character, that's not our titular character, chews out the Mandalorian over his armor or his uh, best car steel, and that's John Favreau. Yeah, I believe that's John Favreau too. I believe uh, that's John Favreau. Definitely. It's his voice. It's it's, it's yeah. his voice. Doesn't even. And it's the same voice that he did for Pre Vizsla in the cartoon. Well, and then the character's name like Post Vizsla or something. Yeah, I know the yeah. name is really close. I get it. It's supposed to be family. Oh, language. if it's post Vizsla, that's too on the nose. It's it's something like that. I'm joking about the post part, but I'm pretty sure Vizsla is the last yeah. name. I, I know that it is some connect vague connection, but um, no, I, I, I liked it. It, it showed like, because cause to this point, he's the only, him and the, um, the, the Smelter are the only two people we've really had any interaction with, and the other ones just kind of look. So when he came back, with the ice cream maker, which I think that was brought up in the previous episode. It yeah. was. Yeah, and then when that got put on the table, I just was watching. I'm like, of course it is. So Russie, Russ brought that up last week. He's like, I oh, heard I- him. They said the name of the container, which was the name of that ice cream thing. And I, it just stuck out to me. And I was like, well, I, I didn't say it's going to be in there. But I was like, I just thought that was a cool reference. I didn't think they would actually show it. That made me like, mad. It's so prominently. Yeah, so prominently he's walking around with Wilbur Hood's ice cream maker. You're like, that, whoa! But, that, but that's okay. I'm glad we brought. Yeah, but this no up. one. Yeah, because no one knows that. That is that deep, deep, deep cut that but just. That's, but, but Zach needs to get angry about but, it. Because no, it's, it's ruining. Yes, I am. Because it ruined Star Wars. Wilbur Hood <laughs> and his stupid ice cream like machine <laughs> is one of those fantastic moments in Star Wars where it's like, oh, something happened and nobody was watching. You get this fantastically goofy moment. Like if <laughs> if the holiday special is the Chernobyl equivalent, like Wilbur Hood and his ice cream maker like machine is like the Three Mile Island. It's like, is it going to destroy the world? No, but it's one of those things that's so like unique to the star wars and empire and yet well we gotta ruin it because now it's in universe it's the official best car steel carrier you can okay, now okay. they'll sell no, i'm not finished and now <laughs> you too can buy it at disney's galaxy's edge to store your own personal items for the low low price of 49.95 and it's like no let certain things be sacred in star wars not everything has to be a callback like, if you want to have callbacks, you have a goddamn army of not Boba Fett's. Let that be the callback. You have Carbonite. You have all this other stupid Star Wars callbacks you don't need. And yet we have to pull from stuff just because, oh, we know. And that's the sort of thing that, again, it's like, I, that's the sort of stuff that makes me itchy and makes me want to go back on the ledge of, the, of the, like, the highest building I can find. That's the sort of stuff that drives me nuts about Star Wars. Is that like, yeah, is it bad enough that we have Force Awakens stuff where we just regurgitate the narrative and the themes of the first film? Um, yeah, that's bad. But it's robbing the small little moments of what makes them special. Because now people are going to see that in Mandalorian Episode 3. And when they see Empire, they'll be like, oh, so he must have had some best car steal with him. It's not just goofy that's, moment. 
I don't think those same people are going to catch that. That took so long. To I catch, catch that. it. I, I catch it. And that, because and you know it now. Because you've seen a hundred people at celebration running around doing. You know, like it's no. It's a big I know thing now. I know it because it's one of those things that, like, when you're reading a Star Wars trivia book on like page like four hundred and sixty-seven and nine hundred, <laughs> I would imagine that in some. Tri- I remember a few months ago, I bought Rob a trivia book because eventually one day we're gonna have like a Knights of Vader like trivia contest, and so I bought it and sent it to him because I didn't want to touch it because I didn't want. Any sort of like not, I don't have any knowledge of the book and what it has. And but I would imagine probably one of the questions in that book is going to be, what was the real life purpose of Will Willrow Hood's like device in Empire Strikes Back? That's what I mean, though. It's a, it was it was just like this goofy thing that somebody just handed this actor to carry around that looked kind of futuristic, and now it has a purpose. It's like no, you've robbed that really eccentric moment Empire of its bizarreness just to make but- something canon. But it gives that some. It gives that something from. It, it retroactively makes that scene make sense. On that note, uh, hey Josh, real quick, what are we talking about? Uh, I was, I was, I was in the. I, 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 I know you had to go, but we are talking <laughs> about. We are talking about the object that that the Beskar was stored in. Can you tell me where that comes from in Star Wars? No, 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 Zanger, okay, I cannot. So you cannot even tell me the movie it's come came from. Okay, Zanger, if a tree so falls in the woods, and, if a tree falls in the woods, and no one is around to hear it. Does it make a sound? It does. Does it anger they, Zach? <laughs> yes, it does. Because they shouldn't be t- certain things. It's not even sacred. It's that not everything needs to be. It's kind of like having just because you, you you have access to something doesn't mean you have to develop on it. And that's what makes me mad. Like, why not create something new? Give him, I don't know, the Star Wars equivalent of a new lunchbox. Have something like that. Make it something new. Make it yours. Like, that's the problem. It's like, again, it goes back to the adage of let the the past die. Kill it if you have to. It's like not everything has to pull from the past. Let this thing. It's bad enough that we have not Boba Fett as our protagonist. Let, let, Let it breathe in every instance that we have. Like everything is just like again, it's remember this, remember that, remember these things. Oh, you don't remember those. Again, it's member berry syndrome. It's like, please let this thing again. I said it last week. Every moment you pull from the past, you're robbing the future of its identity. And that's my biggest concern, not just with the Mandalorian, but everything Star Wars, is that we're going to rob the future of what makes it so unique for the past. Because think about it. What at the okay, okay, I know everybody still doesn't like episode one, the Phantom Menace. But if you're making episode one 1999, why not for, forego Darth Maul? Forgo having this really cool new looking villain with a brand new lightsaber. Just make it Darth Vader. It's a suit. Why can't it be somebody else in the suit? People can wear suits. Make the person that Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon have to fight at the end of the Phantom Menace be Darth Vader. Maybe Anakin eventually inherits the costume. Who knows? That's what makes me mad about what the current Disney's doing of Star Wars. Is that when they feel it's the Marvel thing. It's that anytime we feel threatened, we go back to like resting on our laurels. Marvel's laurels are everything has to be a joke. Everything has to be a quip. This Star Wars equivalent is nostalgia. We're going to go back to the iconography and solely the iconography. And that's what kind of – I'm surprised that instead – I'm surprised uh, Mandalorian, instead of flying around the Razor's Crest, doesn't just fly in a different color – a different color scheme of Slave One. Because why wouldn't it be that every Mandalorian flies in Slave One? Because that's what Mandalorians do. They fly in the same vehicle. It says Slave One, it's Slave Twelve. 
And that's why I wonder, like, if you're going to make everything steeped in nostalgia, then just make everything in nostalgia. Because when you pick and choose, it becomes more jarring. If everything's nostalgia, then I don't know which way's up anymore. But when you pick and choose, you disorient me. Because it's like, well, what are you trying to get at? Zach, have you ever considered that the fact that you know so much more about Star Wars than the average person that they would have to make a movie with completely new assets for it to be a surprise to you in any way, shape, or form? I, I think, think we so. had this discussion where I was saying, you know, there's that fine line between just nostalgia and callbacks and just setting it in the actual world. It's like, you know, you can't say, oh, look at that door. It's the same door in tattooing. Well, it's like that's just the sometimes the aesthetic itself is enough and you're right you are right to push back on things like the the will row hood container but the casuals don't care about that i think it's just a, such but a minor part of everything because i think a, the bigger i think the bigger story they're they're doing pretty well yeah i agree like, like when it comes to the like in the uh the broad uh, brushstrokes i i agree but the problem though is that you do have those small moments in there again it's like the rant i went on last week about all the stupid holiday special things like i want to punch the blue-headed guy in the face for being like i guess i'm not gonna make it home for life day it's like no <laughs> folks i had the stupid life day shirt made i wore that the other day while i was giving out turkeys to the homeless and guess what i had to explain the t-shirt to every single person being like you see that guy in the corner that's bruce valanche he's insane but he made one of the greatest pieces of pop culture <laughs> out there because there'll never be another thing like this. So That's the guy what from Hollywood Squares. Exactly. That's the only way I remember that guy from was Hollywood Squares because he was so he looked like a human Muppet. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, he's hey. one of those guys that you, that you see in your youth and you're like, why is this guy on everything? And you grow up and go, oh, because he was like a writer for like every show. So he's very, you know, in touch with the comedy community in the what 80s, 90s. And I think the Simpsons reference him a lot as well, which kind of yeah, they they do. It, he he comes up, I think, um, he comes up a good bit in the early <laughs> seasons. I feel uh, back when I, it was still funny. Yes. Um. On on that note, I just want to point out to the listeners once again. I know you're probably checking your podcast feed. No, this is not the Festivus episode, despite <laughs> Zach's best efforts. Folks, Festivus is going to be great this year. Like, it's not even going to be for the typical reasons because. Okay, again, my, my complaint with Star Wars, and I know a lot, I, again, I, I know more and more people listen to this podcast every week, so clearly something's resonating with someone. Maybe it's not me, maybe maybe it's, again, you come for the Star Wars day for the, the Russ and Zenger and just tolerate the Zach part of it. But there, <laughs> but there is a part of just the same people who, again, Josh, uh, you po- the reason why you're on this is that you posted in the Knights of Vader Facebook group. You had a, I'm not sure if he was a friend or an acquaintance or just somebody. Yeah, he's a friend. And All right, friend, friend. <laughs> okay then and he posted something like mandalorian is so much better than the rise of like oh what was it a uh, cash grab walker and i'm like <laughs> and it's like do you not realize that like okay going back to my favorite punching potentially bag, a bigger cash grab in the grand scheme of things yes I mean, exactly think about it yes baby yoda's the greatest cash grab in the history of star wars folks like i don't care how much you hate porgs or how much you hate he walks <laughs> baby yoda's the crescendo of all this like i said lucas when he saw that threw his shoe at the tv when he when he finally realized what disney stumbled upon um but no like what this person was saying was that like oh mandalorian so much better because it's not a cash grab than rise of skywalker and it's like folks the same goddamn company 
It's like it's the same people. Like everybody's giving the Mandalorian so much credit because yeah, Favreau and Filoni are in charge. It's like folks, their boss is Kathleen Kennedy. Her name. She. If you're going to attack her for how awful the Last Jedi is, then she's just as responsible as to how great the Mandalorian is. You cannot pick and choose whose failures are which and whose successes are theirs. And that's what the like again. I guess that's the part of this podcast that I or with Star Wars. I get the most frustrated with. It's like all the content in a vacuum. I have no problem with. Am I not thrilled with the Force Awakens? No, I'm not thrilled with it though. But in a vacuum, it's fine. It's serviceable. Like Force Ghost Jim always says, I'd rather have something than nothing. But at the same time, though. (laughs) Thank you, Russ. And but at the same time, though, that we do live in this. We don't live in a vacuum. We live in this culture where everybody lives and dies with what Twitter has to say. And I was reading a statistic the other day that something like only 10% of the population of, again, I don't know the world, but the U.S. population uses Twitter. So why the hell do we care what Twitter has to say? Why do we care what any social media has to say? Like I've always said, the the Last Jedi made $1.3 billion. Movies don't make $1.3 billion if they're unanimously hated. And like I think we were just talking in the Facebook group recently about the 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 down the subscriber numbers for the Mandalorian. We're never going to know the exact numbers for that because Disney doesn't have to really disclose that sort of information to us. And anything they ever do disclose will probably be inflated. And that's the thing that one we're never going to know the the impact and the sheer success of the Mandalorian because the streaming service model allows much of that stuff to be hidden behind closed doors, whereas box office totals. Don't allow them to do that sort of thing. And that's why we'll never know. It's like, I, I don't think the Mandalorian is anywhere near as ubiquitous as we all like to think it is. Like, yeah, Baby Yoda is cute, though. But there's going to be more people that will see The Rise of Skywalker December 20th that will have seen all of the Mandalorian <laughs> in the last three weeks combined. Like, that's just the way that the numbers go, folks. It's like everybody's so enamored with Disney+. Plus. Yeah, that's great. But I think Netflix released something that on the, like the first week of Disney Plus's release, they saw no decline or, or decrease in the amount of viewership. I, I don't think people are as uh, tribalistic as we're led to believe when it comes to entertainment. I see a lot of people getting in just that would be just Star Wars casuals who brought to me that have gotten it because they got that Verizon plan where you like you get Disney Plus for like a year and they're like, oh, I guess I have it. I'll just put it on. Hey, I saw that Star Wars thing and they start talking to me about it. So they've definitely put a, a big reach out for it. Yeah, Zach, I agree. So I'm Zach, gonna point. Oh, go go ahead. I this is important. As as my Padawan, I've watched your journey from beginning podcaster to now as you've started to get some podcast success and i'm starting to see a lot of anger in you (laughs) that is forming and it's troubling to me zach i feel like the power of the listeners are getting too much for you to handle and i just want to voice my concern the circle is now complete when i left you i was but the learner but now i am the master no i come out the high ground (laughs) <laughs> I cut Josh in half and he disappears. Uh, no, I'm not again, I'm not I guess the problem is like I'm not mad. Most of the times I'm not okay, it's not mad, man. It's not the right word. I'm not frustrated with the content. I'm frustrated with the idiots are saying. That's what frustrates me because remember, did, like, Lucas did not care what anybody thought about any of this. Like my favorite example, George Lucas didn't know the difference between Gunga and Gungan. 
Dooku Doku. This was a man that just did not like. It was just like this is my thing. I'm gonna do whatever I want with it. Like Cyclodius, like, whatever. It's the same thing. Exactly. And yet we have Disney, and Disney is so concerned about disenfranchising anybody that one person like. Like mistypes something or, or does something, and it's like, oh my god, the world comes to a screeching halt. We gotta fix this. And again, that's the biggest concern because, and I keep saying with the Mandalorians that, like, after the rise of Skywalker, there's no more movies in the sense of not again. Uh, Benioff and Wise are gone. Ryan Johnson's floating out in the ether somewhere, and that's it. The only thing we have on the plate are are are. <laughs> Yes, he's floating around like a Mary Poppins, spa- uh, space Mary Poppins. But the thing is, I actually have- saw him the other. I saw it. Was, I saw them, Benny Offen Wise and Ryan Johnson. They were like, "What the hell else we gonna do? Wander around the world the rest of our life, not knowing who the hell going- we are?" All right, yes, you are because you're not doing Star Wars. <laughs> See, I told you, Josh. This is what happens. Is that there's this really weird calm, and then the soundboard comes in, Zenger dies for the next ten seconds. Very nice. Uh, you okay, Zenger? You, you, okay. you, need a, you, you need a cigarette break real quick or something? Just just smoke the tip, as uh, Josh <laughs> suggested. Just a tip, then throw, the, then throw out the yeah, cigarette pick up another one. Zenger's getting all quiet because he's just like... Taking one last look, sir. All right, shut up, 3 We're not even finishing that. <laughs> No, but that's my thing. Though. So I'm I'm more concerned with what public opinion is than I am about the the content because again the idiots. That's what I was thinking of. Sorry, I I was like I had a moment. Then Zach went on like a diatribe. Then I was like I'm gonna like, completely lose my train of thought on this, and it came back to me. So all right, Zinger, what is your train of thought that I rudely interrupted you on? Yeah, no, yeah. Did you? Yeah, sure. Um. So I had to get my um just 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 to put the situation out there for you guys. So I had to get my toe um cut up cut up today because oh, I have an ingrown mm. toenail. Hey, but my host has a, has an ingrown toenail too. There you go. <laughs> um, so here's the funny thing: I have been going to the same doctor for years now, and never came up in conversation. Hi, Doctor Nick. How, oh, sorry. <laughs> yes, exactly. But um. <sighs> But I don't know how it came up, but we started talking about Star Wars for a minute. And I asked him, I, I said, I was like, have you seen The Mandalorian? And he, that's what it was. He was, um, I was telling, he asked me if I was buying any, anything on Black Friday. I said I was going to get a Amazon Fire, but apparently my mom has one that she doesn't use. So since I pointed out it was for the kids' room, she was immediately like, I'll give it to you. So I'm saying some other stuff. And he's like, yeah, I probably need to pick up one of those so I can watch The Mandalorian. And we and him talked about that for a minute. He he enjoys it. He has not seen episode two, but he liked the first two episodes. And then he said that he's like, oh, yeah, I really like Star Wars. It's been something I've liked since I was a kid. Like, I was so excited when I saw the the new movies. And I got to see the Falcon for the first time because I knew the second she said that thing's a hunk of junk. It's never going to fly. He goes, I knew exactly what ship she was talking about. So then when the camera went over, I cheered, like, in the, in the thing. And I'm like, I'm sure you were in the same theater as Zach, so I'm sure you made his day. But um, he, but I was like, so what do you think of the new movies and everything? Like, I was trying to get out of him, like, what he thought of it, and he said the best thing they ever did was take it away from Lucas. And I was like, so you like to think that? I don't, I hate, I hate that train of thought, too, because it's like, well, we Thank wouldn't you, be talking about any of this, so that's just... Uh, that whole, that whole, that's what might be a discussion for another day. The whole, but, but, just the, the but sale isn't, itself. 
over time. Isn't this weird how he likes the new stuff, <laughs> likes the old stuff, but apparently it's just the prequels? From what I gather, it's a point for everybody. It left a bad taste for a lot of people, and uh, you know. But that's that's the weird thing, though, is that like this is what drives me nuts about people. Is that like, and this is why I keep talking about, and I feel like sometimes I'm screaming into the void about this. Is that it's the power of narratives, like the narrative after, like when the Force Awakens was coming out, was like, oh, we're again the very first line of the Force Awakens is this will make things right. If that's not the, like, no wonder why Lucas doesn't like that movie. It's a giant f you to him. It literally yeah. begins with that, and nobody talks about that. Everybody's so busy praising JJ for how great he is. The film literally starts off with, this will begin to make things right. And nobody, nobody in the fandom has a problem with that. Nobody. And it's like, if, if a lot I'm of people fans, like it, a lot of people really like that. And I, I, I kind of like it all. So I'm kind of like, oh, come on, did you have to? But, you know. I don't get that. That is definitely. I mean, it's money. It, it also. It's also money. They they bought, got this, and they were like, everyone hates these prequels, and I appreciate that we're getting just a little taste of that. That they're kind of blending the world and making it one. We're seeing some of the things, you know, seeing finally seeing that actual super battle droid in action. It was terrifying. It looked great. I'm glad that you know they realize that Star Wars is one thing. Maybe Favreau can like kind of slap some sense in all this. JJ just comes from a different perspective, man. I don't think it's again, but like you have to look at this in the Hollywood sense, though. Is that JJ is not an auteur. He's not. Favreau's not an auteur. Favreau made the Dead Behind the Eyes Lion King movie. He's not an auteur. I don't care what people think. That first <laughs> Iron, people have to realize that first Iron Man movie, they didn't have a script. They were making it up as they go along. It was a happy accident. And then when they put some effort into the second one, they, Favreau was convinced that was going to ruin his career. That's how bad everybody thought Iron Man 2 was going to be. And guess what? The brand carried it. Carried it forward But that's the thing though Is that like Favreau and Abrams Are not our tours They do what the studio Tells them to do The studio says Put this here Put that there And they go yes And they put it In the corresponding places They do not have Any sort of imagination They're not that type Of filmmaker They're Brett Ratner's Without the bad touch and again, that's fine. No one's saying they have to be auteurs. I'm not, again, not everybody in Hollywood has to be a genius. But the problem is that it goes back to narratives. Is that I remember why it was like this, oh God, like January of 2016, I was bringing my dog at the time to the vet and the receptionist was like talking about Star Wars. And again, Star Wars, so my ears perk up very similar to uh, Zenger's instance with his doctor. And it's like, oh, Star Wars. And she's like, oh, The Force Awakens was great. So much better than those trash prequels. And it's like, that's not somebody's opinion. That is a narrative they've consumed because i want if you think the prequels are trash tell me why they're trash give me a reason why is the mandalorian great give me a reason and guess what like i do on this podcast i'm gonna push back i'm gonna make you defend your opinion and chances are most of these people just it, the argument devolves into it's bad and at that point it's like you don't have an opinion then because if you have an opinion you can defend your thought with other arguments and i think that's the problem is that so much of what star wars is nowadays it's narratives, and that's why for the last two years I've been pulling my hair out when it came to the Last Jedi, and that and it's with Disney. You gotta push back against these narratives, and unless you push back against them, Star Wars is never gonna be its own thing, and and that's what it comes to. Like again, not to bring this back to the Last Jedi, but the Last Jedi again, nobody. And it's weird. I've been a, lately been looking at the. I know we don't really talk about it on the podcast. I know a lot of fan content does this but i've always been wondering for years now like who's going to be the people who defend the last jedi going forward and i think originally back a couple years ago right after it came out i said like oh maybe the star wars podcasting cabals the cartels maybe they'd be the <laughs> ones who defend it 
And they did at first, but in, in, to this day, they still defend it, but they're not very proactive about it. Yet the only I'd say, thing- I'd say that the main uh, most popular one definitely has one host who has no problem leaning into it and putting his jabs in there. And he, he seemed pretty uh, happy with it after it came out, as far as I can remember, too. So I, I agree with you there. It, it, it's not getting its defense. Hey, I'll be there. I'll be at the gates of hell with but, you with that. But- All right, Zach. But the point of it being the point I'm trying to get at here, maybe I'm kind of changing the topic from the Mandalorian to maybe the Rise of Skywalker in the process, is that like the only group of fans, because we do have, again, I always talk about it on Star Wars, the Nutma Star Wars side of the fan base. But the only, it's weird, the, the only part of the fan base that's, that's the opposite of them is trying to defend the creativity and the uniqueness in Star Wars is the Raylo part of the fan base. Like, as weird as it may sound, and I know we don't really cover it on here a lot, but the Raylo fans might be the only salvation for Star Wars as fans. Because they're the ones who at least are recognizing what was so unique about The Last Jedi, even though it's one very specific part that they're the loudest about. But they're, as weird as it may sound, it's like, help me, Raylos, you're my only hope. They're the hey, ones we're, I, we're right there with you, man. Oh, I mean, it, they are, they're right, they are right there. <laughs> But even like somebody brought up a point in the <clears throat> in the Last Jedi that I had I had never thought about compared to the Force Awakens. In the Force Awakens, Kylo Ren tries to grab the Luke Skywalker saber out of the snow after he he knocks it out of Finn's hands, and he's calling the lightsaber to him, and it flies right past him. And it goes to Ray's hands. It's a cool moment. Not going to deny that. But then somebody brought up the point in The Last Jedi when they're in the throne room and Snoke is telling Kylo Ren, you're going to strike down your true enemy in front of you. And while that's all going on, he's able to manipulate the lightsaber at that moment. And they brought up the good point, and this is, again, in the context guise of Raylo, is that Kylo Ren is only able to, man- the Force only allows him to manipulate the Luke Skywalker, I'm sorry, the Skywalker saber is when it's in the protection of, when it's in the interest of Ray, and I never and thought of that. And I never thought of it before in that way. That in the, and think about it, in the moment that Kylo Ren kills Snoke and pulls the lightsaber toward him. Guess who grabs it? Not him, but Ray. And think about it. In that one twenty-second sequence, we have more going on on multiple layers in Star Wars than in three episodes of The Mandalorian combined. And yet, yeah, the same, fantastic. That whole yet, that whole that whole setup is fantastic. And again, that sequence goes on for what thirty seconds tops. And yet, the same fan base that's so concerned about the minutia of Star Wars, practical effects, throws that entire Last Jedi moment out, all thirty seconds of it, because yeah, army of Boba Fett shooting practical effects. Yeah, this is Star Wars. And like, and I lose my mind at that moment. I'm like, this is again, Star Wars is not just people in cool costumes shooting each other. Like, if that's what you think Star Wars is, go watch Avengers Endgame. Lock yourself in the room and just keep watching that because, the, and that's what goes again. Okay, I'm gonna stop. I'm gonna go off on another rant. That's okay. I'll get off the soapbox. Okay, walk me back from the. Okay, Russ, because uh, I'll walk you back a little bit until you start Josh, talking about. I want to talk about that big chunky Mandalorian man. Think of all the cosplayers, just the the the, the guys who <laughs> love dressing up. Think about how many opportunities have opened up with a finally a plus size Star Wars character that isn't the Rancor Keeper and isn't <laughs> Malakili. All right, wait, 
Look, I want I want to challenge. I want someone to show me some pictures of some Ghostbusters cosplayers that aren't the same size as that Mandalorian. Cosplayers, look, they're a spurting breed, and that that John Favreau guy, uh, they were dunking their wings, pumping their fists when they saw that. Like that is definitely I could see why people had a great time with that whole moment. But I'm not trying to take that away from people. What I'm trying to talk about is the philosophical layer <laughs> of it all. That's the issue. Is that I, I'm not taking away that it's a cool moment. There's a bunch of cool moments in Star Wars that have no deep philosophical meaning. I look at Rogue One, Darth Vader. There's no deep philosophical meaning to Vader slaughtering a bunch of rebel troopers. But it's a great moment. It's the idea, like, yeah, you can have great moments, but uh, spectacle, again, Captain America picking up Thor's hammer. It's a fun, cool moment, though. But it adds nothing to Captain America as a character in the course of eight years in the MCU. It's just there so idiots will cheer. That's that's the issue because even going back to the, uh, the the episode three when Mandalorian like he's he's cornered in the whatever you want to call it uh, uh, Werner Herzog's office and he gets surrounded by four stormtroopers and it's like freeze we have you surrounded and it's like a there's no tension here because we already established that he likes having overwhelming odds so no tension whatsoever in this sequence and then he kneels down and shoots the little like saber darts out of whatever they call them what, what are they call whistling willows or something whistling birds whistling birds actually whistling said birds. birds okay he shoots them out of his gauntlet and they all go flying around kill all of them and i'm not making this up folks in my head i could legit hear the audience applause in my head and I'm like, I would imagine all across homes across the world, people applauded at that moment, despite the fact that nothing unique happened there and everything going on was telegraphed from a mile away. Freeze! Don't move! Hands up! Drop the blaster! Wait. What I'm holding is very valuable. Here. Now turn and face me. Stand up. And it's like, again, Star Wars... Those were Chekhov's birds, man. It's Chekhov's bird. We had to see it happen. No, I'm kidding. Of course. That's fine. Again, I don't take... Again, I'm not trying to rob any of this of its uniqueness. And to be fair, folks, I'm trying to... I am really dialing up the devil's advocate part of this discussion. But it's the idea that, like, somebody needs to at least make people look at the Mandalorian other than just the fan service superficial cool sequences. Like, again, if we're going to attack the Last Jedi for everything, then if we're going to scrutinize it at that level, we should scrutinize all Star Wars at that level. If that's the rules we're playing by, we got to be consistent. And that's what I'm trying to do here is that, again, yeah. just... Again, it's like my message with anything with Star Wars, and I'll shut up and let everybody else talk for once, <laughs> is that if, if you're... It's... Just because you don't like something doesn't make it bad. And just because you like something doesn't mean it's good. And that's what I'm, that's what I'm trying to get at here. That's kind of my message. Like, if you love The Mandalorian, please do not let me take it away from you. I don't. I, I, if you love something, love it to the umpteenth degree. Never let anybody take it away from you. But at the same time, though, love it because you love it. Not because you're swallowing a narrative that you read on the internet somewhere. Off of Soapbox. Everybody had pee break now for the last 20 minutes. Everybody comes back to the conversations like, hey, like, what I miss? 
<laughs> no, no, you're fine. I, I, I understand. And you're right. That if hey, if they're gonna dish it out to, to, to legit good stuff, you're right. It you should put the same scrutiny on stuff that uh that people are just, you know, taking in uh, you know, whole cloth like that. I will you know, it's it's something you have to say with every Star Wars and of course we all know it that it, it is in a way geared to kids as well. It's like maybe this will be the hook. I don't think the new trilogy is doing that great a job with the hook of just bringing in that new generation as much as they want to. But I feel like this was a good step towards doing that. Like I have kids in the house and they can't wait. They got home this Friday. And the first thing he said was, is it Mando? Is it Mando time? Is Mando out? I'm like, yes, Mando's out. And they, they on their own have been watching it, which is something I've just, I just, I just, you know, just bow my head and I say, this is the way. Great job. All right, good. That, that there is that I will say for firsthand account, kids do enjoy the show. Like I am, I'm genuinely glad to hear that. And I don't, I don't want to take anything away from this show. Like, like, like anything else is said. I think Rush, you mentioned it last week. You're like, if one kid like checks out the holiday special based on Life Day, the Life Day comment, I'm like, yeah, that's great. But it's yeah. the idea that, that that there will be people who will sit there, Google that on YouTube, and just sit there, and then guess what? Every time it comes up in conversation, we'll talk about how awful it is. And which is fine. Like I would, I think it's fair to say that the overwhelmingly majority opinion on that is that it's awful. But it's the idea that you just again. Okay, no. No, I'm good. I'm good. All right. It's just Don't a rite of passage. And if, if, if they're getting that far into it, then they, they for certain, care. Yeah, right? I do. I really, I hope. I hope this is like a, uh, much like we've used a couple of times now, it's the tip of the cigarette. It's like, I hope this sits there, gets people <laughs> like Jones and Fremors. They watch some Mandalorian. They're like, oh, okay, let me check out some other Star Wars stuff. But there's a reason why, like, when Empire comes out, and I, like, again, everybody forgets that when Empire came out, like, that was not, like, that was not everybody's favorite film. Like it wasn't that it was not everybody's favorite film. It took years for it to kind of gestate, and then everybody again forgets as well that Jedi made more money than Empire. Like that's the weird thing. Like Empire for the longest time was the lowest grossing Star Wars film, and it's only until people really took a step back and started to analyze it properly that it started to be held in such high regard. And that's the thing is that like twenty years from now, are we going to be talking about a bunch of uh, not Boba Fett's? Shooting random people in a courtyard? No, we won't. It, because guess a year from now we'll be talking about in the Obi Wan Kenobi series when Obi Wan slaughters a bunch of people, and that's the thing. <laughs> the, the, spe- the spectacle. When, oh, what we were talking about, Obi Wan likes cutting. He has a fetish for cutting people's limbs off. It's like that's what I mean. Though the spectacle only goes so far. Like yeah, a bunch of like in like your kids, Ross. They love mandalorian they probably they probably are they love the action sequences and that's fine that's really neat but action sequences don't have staying power because like we mentioned josh said earlier a lot of this stuff looks great in the moment like with spider-man but it has no staying power beyond that like how many people now will say that say that uh tom holland's spider-man movies are infinitely better than the sam raimi ones because all this I mean, the spectacle only lasts so long but then at the same time people do realize that spider-man 2 is the the best one not because of its spectacle but because of the layers to it and that's kind of my concern with mandalorian is that it's it's doing a it's doing a better job than like force awakens did at <clears throat> having those layers but at the same time though it's like is it doing enough of to have staying power because we're getting a second season of this so clearly mandalorian is going to be one of those characters that's going to live forever in star wars which i have no problem with again every character lives forever depending on what continuity what timeline you're looking at in the universe but i don't know that's just kind of my concern though is that it needs a little bit more weight to it but i don't think you have to sacrifice fun for weight it's true, Wait. but also think about it. This is like Act One of this. I mean, yeah, you go on a sec. Uh, this is this is. I feel like 
you know, judging Star Wars in Act One, but like, yeah, it's a lot of fun. You know, I'm talking about the actual movie itself. Uh, but we we haven't seen you know uh, the middle and end yet, so we don't we don't really know, and it's hard to say when you're sitting there trying to talk about a show. It kind of sounds dumb, but I I, I like where it's going so far, and I, I'm I'm just glad it's hooked a lot of people. When I say these things, I'm not saying them to the show. I'm responding to the fan reaction. I guess I guess I should just again disclaimer qualifier is that that's what I'm <laughs> I'm doing. I'm not again I'm not. Why say these things? Like, yes, my complaint about the the best car steel container. Yes, that's a complaint toward the show. But like, I again, my focus is more on the reaction to it, and then what Disney's going to infer from it. That's my concern. Less the content of the show, because the show again, I'm going to watch the show when it comes out on Blu-ray. I'm going to buy it then, so I have a fi- I have a physical copy that can't take away from me. Uh, but but that's the thing, though. Is like, I'm more concerned about the future of Star Wars than I am the present of Star Wars. Because this is a show that the reception to this, what people are saying about this show is going to dictate how they proceed forward. I think their focus is going to be on smaller projects like this because, I mean, this is something they have more control over. Like, it's something that they can they can definitely, I think, do a lot quicker for a lot cheaper an amount, too. Sure. I think the budget for this is what, just like maybe a third of what a film is. Is that right? No, nah, uh, it's around 120 million. So it, it's less than the movies. The movies are around yeah. 200 million to 250. So it's about half. Okay, but about here's half. the here's the other thing. They they're they're making them kind of go back to basics with having to do practical effects, having to you know make it to where it's it's because you know what will probably age better that show over a lot of the like. Um, uh, the the Marvel movies. This show will probably be something that, like, you could show to somebody, and they would probably wonder, you know, when was this made? I'd say the one to one like, of this would be the Daredevil now. show, right? Isn't isn't Daredevil of all the Marvel shows kind of considered the 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 pinnacle? And there actually are a little bit of a. Uh, parallels with this episode when he kind of goes all or daredevil or batman and, and takes down that whole uh verner complex and and gets gets our baby yoda back but i i've watched daredevil and i've enjoyed mandalorian so far much more than daredevil daredevil definitely dragged on way more yeah than it this did. and i enjoy both of them but i enjoy mandalorian way they, more. they made a mistake with those shows of doing them like the their their seasons ran too long because the story just had way too much time to gestate with the with those shows. But that's a, but that's a story and conversation. That's I think, for a that's day. one of the things. You, that's one of the things you have to think about when when you know, especially the first episode came out and it was like thirty eight minutes, and then the second one was out and it was like less than a half hour. And people were like, well, what's going on? This uh, uh, I'm used to Netflix shows which are forty minutes or an hour long. It's like well, we would it we would drag out too much. I think in that that's instance. the thing. That's much like episode. a Daredevil or a Punisher did. That's the thing. That second episode told the story it needed to in the time it needed. Like, the first episode ended where it needed to. The third episode, like, if you had split that up any different way, I, I think it was perfect the way they did it. So, no, it did. Same with the third. Yeah, I, I, li- I liked how it, it wrapped up in the third one. And it leaves you going, oh, that was all right. Oh, wait, what's going to happen now? He, he's not mentioned anywhere where he's going to go. You have no plan. Just uh, I've heard a brief synopsis on what's happening next. All right, well, next episode. I'm going to say, well, no spoilers. I don't know where you stand. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I hear it. 
I've stayed in the dark on that, so I'll, I'll stay there. I guess I should say, for the record, folks, like as time goes on, uh, next couple weeks, because now we are, what, three weeks away from the Rise of Skywalker, give or take. Wow. I'm going to be going more and more underground in the sense like I'm, I'm going to be checking social media a lot less often. So if you do try to get, I know there's been a couple people joining the Knights of Vader Facebook group are getting more traffic than usual. Um, if you don't get, I usually, I'm the one that checks people in. I know, uh, Zenger and Porg Knight are moderators and they get to, they get to it sometimes, but if I don't comment, cause usually I'm always around the Facebook group, but considering that we're getting more and more TV spots, like I'm already on Twitter and I've already like blocked or muted every word I can think of related to star Wars. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's time the closer and closer we get, especially once that premiere happens, like once the premiere happens, like the, the entire like plot, mm is out there like there's no hiding it anymore it's out there but again once that happens i'm i'm gonna be gone but again it's up to russ and zanger to do whatever they want i think josh is always kind of like cautiously hanging out in the back of the knights of Vader facebook group trying to gauge the situation good i I felt like i've done the same yeah i i I have stood by my uh block of all the whatever spoilers speculation subreddits uh for a good good month or so now and uh, i'm happy i did i i've I've forgotten all of those whatever spoilers which hopefully sounded all fake at the time anyway but let's not dwell on it no be interesting to say uh it's it's gonna be fascinating to see how close or not this film aligns to what was hinted at many many moons ago no, I did break down and watch that little TV spot because it just won't stop playing it on either Facebook yeah. or Twitter or anywhere. I finally actually watched it, and uh, I, 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 I kind of wish I didn't. Not because it's one of those oh, I wanted to save that moment because like, nah, all right, this really, I, I didn't enjoy the 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 dialogue very much. Was that was that the one with the Sith troopers and the, the Knights of Ren finally in it? Yes, and it was the one where they pop the jet troopers off the back of that bike, and they're like, "They fly, they fly, they fly, they fly now." Yes, oh, they okay. fly. See, that, we don't that, have any of that I, stuff in in Mandalorian, which I am thankful thank, for. Thank God. Okay, okay, I'll, you're right, Sanger. Give credit where credit is due. There's yeah. like a hundred percent less quippiness in the Mandalorian than there is in everything else. I, it's I not, feel there's there's still humor. It's just, I guess, better written humor. It's subtle. It, yeah. Like 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 yeah, like the, trying um, to set a jowl on I, fire is a is a is a humor point that that that's great that's great humor. He doesn't want to he he can't speak Jawa. Set him on fire. Uh, that's that's probably the my favorite humorous moment so far. Well, we no, also the, lights a stormtrooper um, on fire this episode. Yes. Um. No. The 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 I've spoken. Uh. God. He actually has a name. And I can never remember it. Um. Nick Nolte. Ugnot Zanger. Come on. Yeah. Ugnolte. Uh, okay, uh, Ugnolte has a few good, like, just just his literal meaning of stuff and the way just, just he's, like, correcting. And just, I, I, I just enjoy the way that that, I, I, I like that kind of humor. It's not like, oh, jokey joke. It's just like this, the way the person's speaking and everything, it's, that's kind of the humor in it. The, um, the, 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 the stormtrooper getting snippy with Mando, with, with Mando as they're walking in. That 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 I thought was kind of funny. The um the him telling him you know hey be careful with him and he's like you be careful. It's like a stormtrooper talking. <laughs> a stormtrooper talking back is like the most adorable thing in the world. Um, but it's one of those things where if that was a movie, they would have when when he found that guy when he was going through wrecking the place, there would have been some like standoff between the two of them. Yep. And they didn't do that. It's it's not that kind of show, and I'm glad of that. Like that that's the thing. I love Star Wars, but the quippiness sometimes, as much as I love um 
the MCU and all that stuff, it would not work in this show at all. And if they did it, it would. I think people would be more upset than they are with it. I don't know. That's the Marvel thing, though. Like, uh, audience has been conditioned that if a character is not making a funny quip every thirteen seconds, it's bad. Because that's what every single Marvel movie is. Like every Marvel movie has to like, dramatic sequence and quip, dramatic moment and quip, and it's like, oh, please stop, please stop. This hurts. This is painful. Like not every single moment needs to be undercut by a joke. And I'm well, glad. That's why. I, that's why I like this. Well, he he has the whole. I need to get me one of those for that's the jetpack. But that yeah, it was. But that's that's the clo- you're right. That's the the closest line to him making a quip. And it's still he's like, yeah, I gotta get one of those. And yeah, it's like yeah, that's a very rocketeerish almost. Uh, I don't know. I I I could I I kind of rolled my eyes a little, but I was like, nah, all right, I got you, Mando. That you didn't take it too far. You know, that's it. It was it was right in that pocket. It was good. I also appreciate the um, taking the droid taxi hostage part too. Where, I did he, like he that. Just I did points like a that gun at it. Drive. Yeah, the, and the, the whole the whole stagecoach scene, basically. Yeah. yeah, that was neat. Like that's, but that's the sort of stuff that's great in the show. Like the idea of him being cornered by a bunch of like third rate bounty hunters, but he's overwhelmed, and so he has to sit there like make do. Like well, like something like that though. But then it devolves into the spectacle of having an army of Boba Fett's. Like that's like you know what it should have been. It should, get rid of the army of Boba Fett's. It should have been the John Favreau Mandalorian. That was it. Like, make it one. Make it unique. Make it instead of just oh the army came to help him because we're, I, I we're think part there's more going on. I think there's more going on with that scene than we know of right now. It's something to where I think maybe later there's going to be more revealed about like because I mean think about it. He just caused this entire. Um, their entire group to have to basically move. Yeah, now the Mandalorians are on the outs with the Bounty Hunter Guild and the Empire simultaneously because of him, but because he almost stuck to his guns and they were like, you're taking this, imp- this is imp- Imperial, took this from us and you're helping them. So I think him proving that, you know, he wasn't some Imperial bootlick and in going back and taking it and, you know, who knows where this guy... Uh, I, I like that that they are kind of all in, and they're all you know. I won't play it again. Of course, this is the way, and all that. I, yeah. I like the, the little world building of them because we don't know that about them. I mean, you know, there's a lot of stuff about Mandalorians and the cartoons and everything, but they're not like this. They're not yeah, weird. It's, it's time. None different. of this Mandalore is in that. I had to say it again. Sorry. Exactly. Exactly. No, no, none of the Mandalore is in, and uh, I like that 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 they're this weird, still weird culture that we are. Kind of not even like really getting. I mean, did did you notice that when they started fighting and the thing like nobody it, they basically just treated as like a whatever thing. Like yeah, they I'm sure fought if, each other so many times. It, it, I got that's the that's the feeling I got from it. Like these guys are constantly like testing each other and pushing each other mm-hmm. to the limits and stuff. Because did you see what the what the um what John Favreau what John Mando, John Favreau. I, I, sorry, I was I was trying Favre-Lorian. to Favreau. Did, did you see what Favreau tried to do with him at the beginning of the fight? No, he grabbed what? him under the helmet and went to go take it off. Oh, he's trying to unhelmet him. Oh, yeah, and then and then the one the one person is just kind of just ignoring the fight. And the only time she gets involved is just to ask him those questions. And I'm wondering if he's like, oh, my helmet was removed or something. If she wouldn't have just been like, kill him. Are you doors? Deserve the armor or something, like like well, that's, I know that's you're going to see some 
some luchador Mandalorians. Because, yeah, that's a big thing in luchador. We, you can't take off the mask. It's over. So, I, like, like I said, and I, I love the whole when he was talking about the... Sorry, I, I feel like I have to kind of um, actually talk about the episode for one, but to kind of talk about like stuff like I actually really enjoyed in the show of them building a world... And it was and it was subtle stuff like the like the whole back and forth in with with them. The the only complaint I have is nobody ever he never told them what was really going on. So how they know to come out and help him, or is it because just kind of like the track they, they figured? Okay, I I was assuming there was going to be some MacGuffin that oh it's the tracking pop or this or that. Um, like I said, I really enjoyed that. I really enjoyed sort of the they only come out one at a time thing. I was like, I don't get why that, that is. Interesting, yeah, but it's, it's like if they are the Mandalorian, who whichever one goes up is you know the, that world but, Mandalorian at the time. But then again, if we get a season two, does that mean we're going to still focus on the one we got, or is it kind of like we're just going to get a different one that go that that's going to be the main one? But, I mean, who knows? Before that, you think grief was like, "Whoa, you you put on some weight, Mando. Whatever. I guess you're spending all that Beskar I gave you. Hey, go do the bounty." And they're they're actually kind of lazy, and they just send different ones out. Oh, you got a more green on this one, Mando. We a shiny Mando today. I love that space. Carl Weathers being like, "You sound a little bit different." I like that. Just every single day is a different one. And it's like you sound a little bit different. You have a cold this week, and it's just a woman's voice all of a sudden out of nowhere. Where'd you get that helicopter turret from, Mando? <laughs> Whatever. Here's your here's your puck. <laughs> but no, I mean, I I'm I'm really excited to see where this goes, and I, I like the aspect of the other Mandalorians in the sense of you know, well, what's their deals? You know, I'm sure I'm I'm hoping there's going to be a little bit more delved into that and what's going on with them and what their their whole situation is. They they did you know kind of you know, blow that whole, you know, the big scene of, of a big Mando attack, which, you know, maybe a lot of people are waiting a long time for to see. I, I definitely enjoyed seeing it. I, I get the feeling that maybe um, that I don't think they're going to hit that button again. He hasn't really been hitting the same buttons besides flashbacks again. So maybe by the end they're, they're set up somewhere else. And that was kind of the, the, you know, the savior of that particular episode, but he's going to have to go into hiding on his own or, or formulate some kind of plan for our baby. Well, Yoda. Well, I have a question, though, about uh, Mandalore doing the pun like everybody else does. Is that, it's again, it's like, so you, much fun. Sure. It's only going to confuse the audience between the planet and the joke we're making. But The planet, the people, or the joke we're making. <laughs> all of the above. Uh, the thing, though, is like you guys were saying earlier about the, uh, the smelter person who's in charge. It's like, oh, like uh, taking the helmet off. Like a Mandalorian never takes off their helmet. Uh, what, when has that ever been established in Mandalorian culture? Because in the Clone Wars, when we're on Mandalore, ah, yes, they none of them had my, you have played into my trap. Because uh, all, that's all they do on that show is take off their helmets. In Rebels, all they do is take off their helmets. Right. So since when Django, is that a thing? Django walks around in his pajamas. <laughs> but that's what I mean, though. It's like since Zach, when you have did, played into my trap. Uh, okay, what's okay? You playing the trap card? I'm playing the trap card of who's to say that they aren't that because in the history of Mandalore, we're, we're still kind of up in the air on a lot of stuff like star Wars. Clone Wars has shown some stuff. Rebels has shown some others, but don't forget like Mandalore is supposed to be a peaceful place at one point. Like they had all these wars and stuff and they kind of stopped doing that and kind of, so what if this, this sect of Mandalorians, 
wasn't okay. it was like ones that are like we're gonna you know we're gonna uphold you know the true values of Mandalore and we're gonna you know we we respect what you do but we're gonna go do this so that's right, the thing of why fair. they don't yeah you're kind of talking that. about a warrior race that was you know taken out of by so many different factions i mean we know from canon that jedi fought them that that i'm sure the clones fought them the droids have fought them that maybe now they're just like we have to go back to our roots what made us great we are not these pacifists anymore because they weren't they portrayed as pacifists in in clone wars well yes because that was a member on one of the the blu-rays there's a thing of cowboy hat man talking about like one of the mandalorian arcs i think one of the earlier ones and he's like explaining how like in in legends eu well back when it was more eu before legends he was explaining to george lucas that that mandalorians were were always at war when with one another and then he's like lucas wanted to make them pacifists and i had to, in the interview he starts cringing he's like he's like george you can't do that and he's like well i'm george lucas i can do whatever i want and hold I my think, jar jar exactly hold my my baby jar jar um you'll make me a million dollars in 20 years but it's no but i think that's the thing though is Yes, it did become pacifist for a while. So yes, maybe they're going back to their roots now. They've been kind of the the empire purged them, so to speak. And they got so, stepped on by basically everyone. Maybe. You see how the pacifist thing worked out? That's why we wear Darth Maul's horns. Yeah, but the only thing though is that they're kind of again going back to the fan response is that now, like in the last week, I've seen like three dozen memes of uh, of uh, Mandalorian smelter person saying like a true mandalorian never takes off their helmet and then under it like a million pictures of uh, Django in attack of the clones being like see and he's not a mandalorian and it's like no that's they had that's to adjust and 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 right there you know proverbial racist ship i guess to be able to uh to come back to survive in some way that seems to be their whole thing is surviving and then they mention that in there that that is the way and I do want to bring up real quick that I know, like, like I've seen it on the internet as well, that everyone's like, Jango Fett wasn't a true Mandalorian, doesn't Boba Fett isn't either. Like, one person in one line of dialogue in Star Wars The Clone Wars says Jango Fett was not a real Mandalorian. And that person ended up to be a bad guy and was, like, super-duper corrupt. So I have no idea why we're putting that much, uh, oh, God, uh, like, faith in that character telling the truth. Like we don't really know much about Jango Fett's background. I forget in Legends EU if he was a Mandalorian. I thought in oh wait the books down. I was like I just had my EU like encyclopedia around, but things downstairs. I thought at one point he was the sole surviving Mandalorian. It if you look, yeah. if, if you if you just consider the movies canon, the word Mandalorian is never ever stated. It's just something we've known forever uh, from like you know. It's like it's like Seth not being said in the original trilogy. It's just something we knew, you know. I found out some interesting Mandalore I want to point out real quick. It, am, I, am I allowed to? <laughs> I, like we could stop you, Zanger. Okay, so you you know all the comments about the Mythosaur. Sure. It's not the thing he rides in the um in the holiday special. The Mythosaur is actually that, you know the uh, Boba Fett symbol and that symbol that it shows, that thing with the tusk? Yeah, like the main signet? Yeah, that's a Mythosaur. And we know know that's not the holiday special creature? 
I the holiday special creature had like this long neck, it looked like a brontosaurus or a brachiosaurus or one of the long neck dinosaurs. But it still has it still has a skull though, right? Yeah, it was something that was chasing Bryce Dallas Howard. <laughs> yes, it looked like something that would chase Bryce Dallas Howard. All right, uh, I feel that bad enough that okay, Josh, do you have any concluding thoughts on the man? Considering that you're our residential filthy casual, and we've kind of put you in the corner for the last thirty minutes. Um, do you have any final parting words of wisdom for the filthy casuals out there on The Mandalorian? Or Star Don't Wars in show. <laughs> well, everybody um, knows that already. I feel like it's a main reason why people are getting Disney+, Plus, and so far uh, I, I'm impressed by it, and I'm kind of bummed out that uh, I don't have Disney+. Plus. I won't reveal how I was still able to see the episodes, but uh, yeah, it's very tantalizing indeed. I think it's good, and uh, I think uh, I think everyone should watch it, and then everyone should go and listen to my podcast, which has nothing to do with it. <laughs> we'll, 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 we'll get to the plugs, Josh. We'll get to the plugs. All right. So concludes this episode of the Knights of Vader, a Star Wars podcast. Check out our Facebook group. Type in Knights of Vader in the Facebook, and chances are you'll find it. Find us on Instagram at KOV Podcast. Shoot us an email, kovpodcast at gmail.com. If you like what you hear, please rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes or whatever podcasting platform you're currently listening to us on. Thank you to Anspiriority Complex for providing our theme song. Check out the show notes to hear more from them. Also, while you're at it, check out some Knights of Vader t-shirts. We're right around the corner from the Rise of Skywalker. Helps support your favorite third-rate Star Wars podcasts and look fashionable all at the same time. We would certainly appreciate you repping our logo and all of our designs. For questions, comments, concerns, or snipe remarks, contact me, Zach, on Twitter at Cinemodis. You can also hear me on the Cinemodis podcast talking about what movie, Zenger? You were talking about The Dark Crystal. Dark Crystal. And, um, Death Kiss? Death yeah. Kiss. Death Wish? Yeah, the Death Wish knockoff. Yes, with not Charles Bronson. Oi, I got kissed with death. (laughs) I like how uh, 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 Kiwi Boba Fett and Charles Bronson could be the same character. (laughs) He's no good to me, dude. Uh, Yeah, they are. They're very close. Wow. (laughs) Okay. um, All right. Okay, when you're not on this podcast ranting about Star Wars, Zenger, where people find you? Uh, I think everyone knows they can find me at this point in this podcast, so I'm going to take my moment to um, actually tell everyone to go out and get the um, second book from uh, John Justice and Bark, uh, Treasure in Darkness. I'm currently listening to it on Audible, and uh, I would highly recommend doing the audiobooks because he does a good job of doing uh, little sound effects and changing up his voice for different characters and stuff, and when like they're done over radio, it's done like with like a radio thing he does a really good job it's not just somebody reading a book it's kind of almost an audio play of the book as well and since it's by him writing the book and also narrating it it's he's able to put his the correct inflections on everything so go out check out embark um the first book and the second book treasure in darkness okay now now as somebody who listens to the podcast who happens to be on the podcast right now i can interact with you in real time and and say something that I might be asking myself while only listening to it. What what is this book about, Zenger? You haven't really explained what the book is about. I don't know what, what no, it e- even is. So Embark is basically not to spoil anything. It's basically a um, not too distant future. Um, humanity has kind of spread out day. to amongst the star is starting to spread out to amongst the stars. And due to some turn of events and stuff happening, they have no choice but to spread to the stars in the first Embark book. And it's it's very Star Wars-esque. Um, 
There's also a few Star Wars references dropped in there because it is mentioned as a um, key essential part of like classic culture and everything too. So it's it's basically a space adventure in in a new world that John Justice has done an amazing job of creating. So I highly recommend it. Well, with a name like John Justice, how can you go wrong? Damn straight. Just rolls off the tongue. <laughs> All right, Russ, when you are not being the titular Mandalorian, where can people check you out? Uh, yeah, you can check out my show, The Unbelievers Podcast. Uh, we come out every Wednesday. We got a couple episodes left before we take a little break at the end of the season. But check out this week's episode, Mantis Man or Alien. Oh, now you're getting into the territory that we have to talk about on our podcast. Oh, that's what I live. That's why I can come here and I have to think about it. And I love it. Not my brain pretty much goes on autopilot on this podcast, as I'm sure you've been able to tell by the past 30 <laughs> minutes of radio silence from me. <laughs> All right, Josh, we're not forcing you into the corner of a bunch of nerds just talking nerdy crap and you being the coolest one in the room. When you're not being the Renaissance Man and the father of the Knights of Vader podcast, where can people check you out? Uh, you can find me at Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries. We're a podcast that talks about the show Unsolved Mysteries with Robert Stack and other mysterious things such as, uh, I don't know, cults and crop circles and things of that nature and uh, we're on itunes spotify everywhere we are literally everywhere if you look on your phone right now i'm watching you uh whoa it's very weird but uh, it's uncovering unexplained mysteries i have a youtube channel it's called it's a youtube.com slash dancing with ghosts i do a bunch of uh content on there about music music related things uh review video games i don't know zach watches all of it so if he likes it then, then then maybe you'll like it too and then finally, my band is called Dancing with Ghosts, and we're like Depeche Mode meets Nine Inch Nails. So if that sounds right. like something you're interested in, then we're on Spotify and iTunes. And thank you, Zach, for, for introducing me to Josh. Josh, we did an episode about uh, the Guardian UFO, on because I love Unsolved Mysteries. It was the most formative show completely of, ever, <laughs> of my life, and oh, I yeah. had to do one. So. Yeah, we'll talk about. Yeah, that man, Diane Diane Lebanek, she was quite the character. Oh um, yeah, that that is a that, I love that story, and, and uh, then that you, one really hooked me as a kid. And I looked at it later and said, "Wow, it's one of the biggest frauds ever. How they pull this off?" I loved it when I first saw it, and then you got Bob Exler on there, and he, you know, looking like he's a, the guy, man. Oh man, <laughs> just nineteen seventies era looking Elton John, looking motherfucker. Sorry, I'm not supposed to curse on here, but. uh I, I just want to play like a drinking game in, in his segment. Every time he says the name Guardian, if you took a shot, you would be like wasted by the end. Because you're like, well, this tape by Guardian is uh, amazing tape. And Guardian, we need to know who Guardian is and okay. what Guardian knows. Hey, uh, you got to be on my show because when our episode, I did like a 30 second uh, a power clip that Tim just going, Guardian, Guardian is there. Guardian, Guardian, Guardian. <laughs> I'm glad you yeah, noticed it too. It's Oh, it's there. And I was right on it. So. Thank you, Zach, for introducing us. Yeah, man. Hit me up on uh, Facebook or something. Yeah, I'll find you. See, folks, it's all connected. I also want to bring up, too, for uh, Josh, that uh, John Justice is a huge Depeche Mode fan. Oh, sweet. See, everybody's connected. See, see, Josh, look what you created. This entire world is flourish. You're like the George Lucas of Star Wars, po- third-rate Star Wars podcast. Now, if only I could find a way to monetize all of this, and it would all be <laughs> worth it. Oh, if we just we make could... some toys Josh, out, out of we... the podcasters we have, it would sell like hotcakes, and, and we give an over-under on it. If we could dish uh, um, other... get all that, get that last podcast exclusive deal. Ooh, so cool. Ugh. 
I broke uh, up other, the amount of money other, they made off of Patreon, and if you divide it three ways, because I think there's like three people on the show, each of those mofos are making like at least nine k a month. Uh, two of them don't actually like the the podcasting is their job, and the other ones an right. actor. So, um, living that dream. Um, other Lucas, do you have any input on that? Did I put you on the spot too quick? Well, this is going to be an edit. Remember, <laughs> I think that means we're ending this. <laughs> I like having that button. <laughs> it's dangerous. <laughs>